This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Inhumane Podcast. We are here on episode 20 with Felicia Grantham. Now, let me tell you about Felicia. She works for the Tarrant County Five Stone Task Force. So they are here to fight human trafficking and help victims get the support and resources that they do. Now, this is out of Fort Worth, Texas, but you're not gonna wanna miss it. She, and actually, I, I say she, And she will tell you that they are definitely a huge team of like up to 70 people that run organizations in that area, um, anywhere from education to victim resources, as well as prosecution, right? And with law enforcement and their group can help anybody form a task force in their in their area, part of the world. So you don't want to miss it. She has a wealth of knowledge. Um, she's worked with at-risk uh, populations for a really long time, from homeless to at-risk youth to infant mortality, all the way that's led her to human trafficking. And along the way, she actually was starting to see the connection of human trafficking when the, within these populations. It's just human trafficking wasn't a word back then. So it's amazing to see the journey that she's been on. And again, if you, this is, this is an area I'm like, I'm so excited about it because I get asked all the time, like, how can I help stop human trafficking? Where's my role? What can I do? So on and so forth. And here we go. The Inhumane podcast is giving it to you on a silver platter. So let's listen into Felicia. Again, Felicia, can't thank you enough for coming on board with us. I know you got a busy, busy schedule. Um, so grateful. And I'd really actually like to talk about when I was going through your bio on how you started with working with the homeless and at-risk youth. And so I was hoping you can kind of share a little about a little bit about your time there. Yeah, so um, I spent quite a bit of time working with at-risk youth uh, that were in a homeless shelter, as well as adult homeless populations, both in Pennsylvania and in Texas. And, um, you know, I, I learned there was a difference between feeding someone and sitting and eating with them. Wow. Um, there is a, a, an element of humanity there. And I also learned that it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in life or what your position is. We all have the same needs. Mm -hmm. So we all need food. Right. We all need shelter. Um, but we also all need to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what predators really focus in on. For sure. And they try to exploit that. And they find these vulnerable populations, um, whether it's somebody who's, you know, homeless or young or just in a bad situation. Um, and they, they pretend to be a father figure or a boyfriend or somebody who's there to help them out and give this person this feeling of, of love, even if it's false love. Um, and the person trusts them and then ends up doing things later on. Uh, you know, that put them in harm's way. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's so good. And, and, you know, I think that's the, that's one of the things, right, is the Inhumane podcast is we're making all these connections, not only just for the public, but as you know, individuals that do work in silos or organizations that, right, they're just, they're in their lane and they're focused on their mission. And when they come across someone that has another um, piece to them that doesn't kind of fit within the organization, it's either like, well, well, we don't address that because we kind of aren't trained to do that piece. Hence like human trafficking, right, within homeless, for example, especially back in that time, Right. Then when you were working with them um, right. and how quickly we we're we're all starting to realize all the connections. Right. And how it kind of is across the board that this one, this individual may not have shelter, permanent shelter, but they also may have addiction. They also may be um, recruited by a pimp. They also may, right? Like it goes on. It's like a domino effect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to yeah. actually see that. And, and there's one thing of acknowledging it. And then it's the other of how do we and what do we need to shift in our organization to address those issues with this one individual, right? <laughs> Instead of ignoring that one part, because that's that falling mm-hmm. through the cracks to, to, right, right. For, to, and there's more lack of, of it work. than we recognize. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. Now, I love when you said that there is, a difference between providing someone food opposed to sitting with them and eating with them. Right. Um, you, you see that so much. I mean, and I live in Austin, Texas, and we've had for the past couple of years, right. Uh, our, our homeless population has increased dramatically and in people from other States sending their homeless population here in Austin. Um, and you see that, and I think before with our homeless population, and I and I, I almost connect this with our human trafficking victims. It's I see them, but I don't see them, right? I see them, but I don't see them. Um, I'm just going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on driving. I really wish they weren't here. Maybe it makes me uncomfortable. Maybe um, it makes the area that I go running, you know, awful, and I don't want that. So right, it's like. I see you, but I don't see you. And that's the same problem that we have with our human trafficking victims is we see them, but we don't see them. And we as a community and population have to start waking up to actually see them. And I love you kind of saying like, that's just humanity. No fans or buts about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So thank you for sharing that because that's really, really good. And Back then, like how many years ago was that, that you worked with homeless? Um, I, uh, well, I began working with the homeless in 2006 here in Texas, but previous to that, um, several years previous to that, I, I also worked with the homeless up in Pennsylvania. So, right, right. Okay. Gotcha. So, and so in 2006, um, I'd be very surprised to hear that there was anyone giving human trafficking training for that specific population. <laughs> yeah, that was not the topic back then. <laughs> uh, like you say, we were in silos and we didn't really see the crossover, or really understand what human trafficking was at that time. Absolutely. 100%. It was still a new topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, we've had a, a couple of people here on the show already um, that work with the homeless population and even others that we're connecting with still to this day. 
you can see the struggle that they have when it comes to training their people about human trafficking, working with that homeless population. It, and it's still just so new, right? And like, no way, there's no way that someone can go recruit, uh, you know, that population. 100%, they actually go and recruit that population, right? Um, so yeah. many vulnerabilities, 100%. So many vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. Well, and then, and then I think in your bio, you wrote, um, you went over to infant mor- mortality, right? So you just went from one to that, which I love because those are all such big, great <laughs> areas that I think when someone's listening, like, oh my gosh, it just ripped your heart out. Like, oh my gosh, how could she work with homeless and then at risk youth and then infant death? Like what? Like that is just so, so much. So let, let the, let our listeners learn a little bit more about you in, in that space, if you don't mind. <laughs> right. So, um, when I worked for the community relations departments, uh, with the city, uh, we had a program called the women's health initiative. And what we did was we learned about, uh, different health impacts on women and tried to figure out uh, how to best teach the community how to have healthy practices and to have healthier women. Because if we could make the women healthier, both mm. during and, and before and after pregnancy, uh, then we would have healthier babies. And so our infant mortality rate would go down. Yeah. And uh, while I was working there, um, I did a study on adult prostitution because I wanted to see what the health impact was of that particular lifestyle on, on the women. And, uh, what was interesting was as I was studying this population, I, I kept hearing the same thing from people that all of these adult women said they started prostituting when they were minors. Hmm. And so that really, opened my eyes to trafficking for the very first time because I realized something was wrong. If, if our children are having to prostitute, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the system. Yeah. 100%. And over and over and over again, right. With the word prostitution, there is just the two main phrases, at least that I hear all the time is, well, that's the oldest profession in the book. And so when you say profession, then that leads to 100% that they chose this lifestyle, which what we just heard from you is you're just studying adult prostitution for the health of a baby and, and the mother. And lo and behold, you're uncovering that these women have been there since they were children. And that to me, right, right. for most people is like, hey, that's generational. And that should be a wake up call that here she is, if she's 25 and she's prostituting, but she's telling you she's been doing this since she was 14, 13. How can you look at this person at all in the same lens that you did when you thought she was there by choice, right? That's what I'm waiting for, that mind shift of society and community to say like, like a light bulb should go off with that because clearly it did with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was an eye-opening experience because um, at that point in time, to think of uh, juvenile prostituting was the farthest thing from my mind. 
Um, so, you know, hearing that all of these women started when they were juveniles, it was just, you know, uh, eye opening. Mm -hmm. So when you were, uh, you know, when you were researching and kind of doing that study, um, anything else pop out to you in regards to a pattern of these women, right. Of these adult prostitutes. So one, they're stating, um, Hey, I've been doing this since I was a kid, right. And when I was a juvenile, so I've been doing it there. Was there something else that popped out that you could see was kind of similar amongst them all? Oh, yeah, a lot of the women had a history of domestic violence, um, whether, you know, it was from growing up in a home that had domestic violence or they themselves ended up in relationships with domestic violence. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, was pretty common also. I think it just it's one more thing that puts mm -hmm. them in a vulnerable category. And then people who are vulnerable end up, you know, in making decisions that they feel like they're forced to make yeah. in order to survive. Mm -hmm. So they, they sort of get pulled in, into different aspects and, you know, it's, it's a difficult topic. Um, there's different viewpoints on prostitution. Um, you know, many uh, in law enforcement will say, well, there's, you know, some, and, and not just in law enforcement, but um, there's people that will say that there are some women that choose uh, to be prostitutes um, that they want that lifestyle um, because it's lucrative at times. Um, there is also the Swedish model uh, that looks at prostitution, um, which which basically takes the stance that no one would ever choose this unless things in life had not brought them to a place that uh, sort of forced them into it. Mm -hmm. So there, there's several different viewpoints on it, um, but no matter how you look at it, I think pretty much everybody agrees a juvenile does not need to be prostituting. Yeah. At that point, that person is a victim. They do not even, they're not even of the age of consent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 100%. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the, <clears throat> if we can get and address these juveniles who are being forced into prostitution, because we know that's automatic human trafficking. Um, and they're prosecuted, right? The predator is prosecuted. And this child is then getting the services and, and help that they need and the support. Then we're hoping there will be less and less women and men that are actually adult prostitutes. Like if you break it up, right? If we break it up like that and say, okay, if right now yeah. the equation is, uh, right, the, here's the adult prostitute. She's there by choice. But if we didn't have A, which is child and you you have to say child human trafficking, right? Child sex trafficking. Um, if we didn't have A, but if we did, they're prosecuted and they get support, then they could hopefully live a healthy lifestyle and you wouldn't have adult prostitution. It wouldn't equal that, right? Um, that's the goal, I think. Like you right. said, I think we can all agree that child sex trafficking or... <laughs> It's so hard for me to say child prostitution, but, but I say that right for our, for our listeners because they hear that and they see it, but you and I know is like that there is no child prostitution. That's just straight uh, child sex trafficking. Right. So if it were to happen and we were to do that as a community and look out for them, um, then we, I, I would believe we would have less adult prostitution. The end. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I'm on the end. Yeah. 
<laughs> Periods. End of <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so I wish life was that simple, right? I wish we could. And that was it. We could erase all the adult prostitution. That'd be great. Right. Um, <laughs> so you helped establish the Tarrant County Five Stone uh, Five Stones Task Force. And for our listeners that don't live in Texas, that is out of Fort Worth, uh, Texas, which is Tarrant County area. Um, and so tell us about this, this task force. As you know, Karen Wiseman has been on here before and we've just had tons of questions of like, how does one start a task force? And here we have Felicia who works, actually gets paid for the task force. So if you can tell us about it, our listeners are so eager to know more about it. Yeah, so the task force, um, it's really started as a community conversation. Uh, It was back in 2014, and uh, it was just an effort to bring the police department and some community stakeholders together Mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, how can we work together better? Um, How can we streamline victim services and help at-risk kids and reduce human trafficking. Yeah. And um, it, it just started with a few people in a room and then it started to grow because more and more people wanted to be part of that conversation and they wanted to be part of that movement. And Tarrant County is just amazing with people wanting to collaborate. I mean, that is yeah. one of our strengths. Um, and so, you know, before you knew it, it had grown. And now we have between 50 and 70 people that come together each month, um, you know, to learn about human trafficking and to collaborate with each other and, and work together. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how much it's grown, but it's just the passion for people in this mm-hmm. area who want to fight trafficking yeah, and they want to do it together. Yeah, that's fantastic, right? Because you know, I love that you said they want to do it together, right? And that's what they find. They found a community within their community and they know that they're stronger in numbers and they know that when you do have the support and you have your allies, that is also less burnout. And we know in this, in this area, people get so burnt out and, and it's hard and the things, the, the stories that you hear and the pictures that you see and the, it, it takes a, it takes a toll. So you need that support because we know going back home sometimes with family, you, it's something you just can't share at the dinner table. Um, you know, so, and I do have to give credit as well as, as you know, when you and I've talked before, I've done a lot of work with Tarrant County, uh, folks and different nonprofits and those people can rally. They really, Tarrant County has it going on. And for anybody like Austin is supposed to be like the nonprofit city of like the United States, right? We, you, you throw uh, you could just throw a, a, a penny and you'll find another nonprofit. They're everywhere in Austin, Texas. <clears throat> but the way Tarrant County just works, and if anybody wants to know how to do things, go hang out with Tarrant Ca- people from Tarrant County because y'all, y'all are very pleasant um, and you can see there isn't this like ego thing going on, which happens a lot. Everybody wants to just build their own sandbox instead of playing in one sandbox uh, together. Um, and I do. I just I love working with people from Tarrant County. I don't I don't know if it's in the water 
over there or uh, <laughs> what it is exactly, but uh, just from different realms, like I said, different, um, not all human trafficking, foster care, um, homeless, things of that nature. People just really work well together in Tarrant County. So when you say that everyone can, kind of just has this this passion. Um, so in your meetings, is it pretty much the same group that continues to come or does it fluctuate or do y'all continue to grow in numbers? You know, we have sort of a core group okay. um, that comes religiously every month, mm-hmm. but then we always have new people. And it's always, uh, you know, kind of word of mouth. Uh, people say, hey, I, I heard about this from from so-and-so and um, I want to join. And uh, so we've we've always got new people and um, we, we've been sort of on an upward trend lately. Uh, we used to have between 40 and 50 for a long time. And then um, COVID actually... Uh, <laughs> improved our numbers amazingly. <laughs> um, but it, it allowed us to, to be on a virtual platform. Yeah. And I think it allowed more people to attend who may not have been able to be in person. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we've even got people from other countries now that attend some of our meetings. Yeah. I've so, noticed, I've um, noticed that actually, <laughs> you know, one good thing that, that happened during this horrible pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really exciting. I I have, I've, I, so I attend, um, the five stone meetings when I, when I definitely can and don't have a schedule conflict and the wealth of knowledge is just fantastic. And I have noticed that y'all had a couple of, uh, individuals from out of country and I was like, Oh, see what I mean? People just, they want to know. And when we think that, Oh, I don't need to partake in something that's on the other side of the pond, you know, but in reality, Sometimes we're going to face the same issues and why start from scratch when somebody else has already done it as well as, oh my gosh, we haven't tried something that they're doing. Why don't we try it and, and just tweak it to right fit our, our culture, our natives or whatever the case may be. So, um, no, I think it's, I mean, this is why I don't sleep because I'm on like, uh, Abu Dhabi time, Australia time, uh, UK time. Canada, like I'm on all time zones um, because it's great, right? They we're all just learning from each other because in reality, yes, yes, it's helping our community, but we're more than likely helping the world, right? Um, because I think more and more people as we share, I mean, these trafficking rings, we think that we're just helping one young person. And a lot of times, as you know, um, sometimes it's part of a big, bigger trafficking ring that is across, that is global. So we need to know what's happening, right. in in other, in other parts, right. um, of the world. So what is the goal of the actual Tarrant County Five Stone Task Force? Um, our main goal is the restoration of victims. Okay. So, you know, we have... Other goals were, you know, we support the Fort Worth Police Department because that's, we're an arm of the Fort Worth Police Department. Um, you know, we support our partnering agencies. Okay. And we also want to see new and creative and innovative human trafficking responses created out of the task force. Gotcha. But 
at the end of everything, it all boils down to we want to restore victims and see perpetrators prosecuted. Mm -hmm. Got it. So that's that's the main goal of the task force. Okay. Um, See, so I love that. Right. I I was talking to a person the other day and um, it was just an acquaintance and they were a mutual friend and introduced us and they they asked, so what exactly like you know, our mutual friend shared, but what does all that, you know, like mean? So I started to get a little bit more specific and they said, oh yeah, but there's a bunch of human trafficking organizations. Like you see them everywhere. Um, and it, it was in a very nonchalant kind of manner. And, um, and he said, you know, so, I mean, obviously there's help, so you don't need like a lot of help because it's already out there. And, um, (laughs) So, you know, I, I kind of chuckled back and was, and was playful. And I said, well, um, there are way more victims than there are organizations, period. Like we can't, there aren't enough beds, right? There isn't enough, uh, law enforcement to prosecute these individuals. Um, and so I'm going on and on and on and making this long list for him. And, uh, he's just like, oh, okay. So it, it is a little bit more involved. And I said, it is as well as not every organization does all things. So when you have organizations that just help the, um, the victim, that's great. They, they need help, but they're not involved in prosecution. So then these things keep happening over and over and over. And then there's organizations that do help with prose- uh, you know, prosecution. And what I continue to say is it's not just up to law enforcement. Like we have to, uh, we have to help. Because when we continue to just put it on law enforcement, um, we just don't have the capacity as you, as you know, right. And we need the community's ears and their eyes and their hands and their feet, not to be a vigilante, but (laughs) to be aware and connected with law enforcement, which is what you're building with your, with your task force. It's like, yes, helping the victims, but how we can really help victims and prevent is by prosecuting and deterring actual predators. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's a two pronged thing. You've, you, you've got law, the law enforcement side, which is the prosecution and, and mm-hmm. goes after the predators, but they're not trained for how to handle, you know, victims in, in right. the restoration process. That's where the nonprofits come into play. Yeah. Um, so we need both. I mean, it's it's to to have a whole picture. You need both sides. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's and that's the thing. Or I think that's what I was trying to share with them. Is like, no, we actually need more. <laughs> we need more nonprofits, yeah. and we need more, uh, you know, law enforcement. We actually just had Saved in America on uh, on the past two weeks, and they're out of California, and they help. Um, law enforcement. So they're all like ex-military, ex-law enforcement, and they help parents find their missing kids. Um, and of course, majority of them are in some sort of trafficking, right, kind of space. So there you go. Like that's what, like you can have a hundred of those and it still wouldn't be enough, right? Like there's a huge impact, but right. we still need more. Like, you know, like you're saying, it is always a two prong and shoot, you could throw into that three prong on the prevention side as well, right? Um, the educated education exactly. prevention side. So there's just never enough. I'm like, there's just there's never enough. Um mm-hmm. ever. Um now that's the thing I think with with what y'all are doing 
And for Inhumane Podcasts, we're constantly, you know, it's for the public. It's not for other nonprofits. It's not for um, all the law enforcement. Granted, by all means, they all can listen in. They're going to learn things as well. But this really is to eliminate all the jargon for the public and for them to understand. And one of the big pieces is we know that most people don't believe human trafficking is happening in their own backyard, in their community, in their space. Um, so what are some of the biggest impacts that you see that does affect the community? Maybe the community is just not aware of it. Yeah, human trafficking has a huge impact because it's very lucrative. Hmm. Um, so it's affecting our economy. Um, you know, it it's one of the fastest growing crimes in the, in the world. Right. And that's because you're using a reusable product. Mm -hmm. So if you sell a gun or you sell drugs and you want to make more profit, you have to go get another gun or you have to get more drugs. Right. But if you sell a person, you can sell them over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So it's very profitable. And if you look at the sex industry itself, it's extremely lucrative mm -hmm. and just um, pornography. You can see yeah. how much money is spent in this arena. And there's a link between pornography and human trafficking, right? Because a lot of human trafficking victims are forced to create pornography. Mm -hmm. And sometimes pornography is used sort of as a stepping stone to get them into other things. Sometimes people will encourage somebody to do modeling Mm -hmm. And then they'll encourage them to do nude modeling mm -hmm. and then pornography, and then they get them to do commercial sexual activities. So it's, you know, when somebody is viewing or paying for pornography, they are in a sense supporting human trafficking. That's right. It's a roll of the dice, right? And that's the, <clears throat> that's the thing is when we definitely have conversations with people about pornography, they're like, I've never seen anyone like that when I watch Pornhub. I said, okay. Um, and I said, but you don't know. <laughs> you know. Just like I don't know. Yeah. You, we, we have evidence and tons of testimonies from actual victims that will tell you I was in this position um, and I was forced to do it and there was fraud and so on and so forth. Um, and so there's that victim. The other one, maybe she chose to go that direction. You're absolutely right. But you're rolling the dice. You have no idea if that person was or wasn't. And to me, that's too close for comfort. For me, if there is something that's 50-50 yeah. for, for crimes against humanity, I'm, I'm out. There is, there is no, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be on the fence about it. Right. And so that's, that's what I find so, uh, fascinating about people's mindset when they're very much, well, you know, it's, it, it we just don't know. I'm like, well, if you saw someone, uh, being raped right there in the middle of the street, would you call 911 or would you participate or would you, well, that's too much. I'm like, well, to me, it's the same thing. I have to paint that picture for you. Right. Cause we know it's the same. Now, right. when you said, um, the, the economy, um, can you be specific on some of the things you have anything in mind? Cause this is definitely, I want the public to write, like understand on why they should participate in helping eradicate human trafficking, right? Because it affects them. They're just not aware in which ways. So um, do you have anything specific that you're thinking 
Yeah, I don't have the specific stats with me, although there's lots of studies out there that can, uh, you know, tell people what the actual stats are. I, I know I saw something at one point which said um, that uh, human trafficking was as profitable as Google and mm-hmm. Nike and I think one other company combined. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's massive when it comes to the amount of money that is uh, happening within this criminal enter- enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. When we, we just look at supply chain, cause that, that's the thing, right. We focus so much on, um, on sex trafficking and not understanding that actually a lot of them are intertwined the labor and sex trafficking right together. Um, but even yeah. with just like the labor trafficking, like, are you totally okay with buying something and knowing that, it's literally slave labor, right? Inhumane conditions. They don't right. get paid or they get paid a penny um, a day that that's not even the average within their actual right country. Um, like are we, but that's that. And I'm going to go back to when you used to work with the homeless and you said, you know, the, there's humanity when you actually sit and eat with these people. Um, it's the same thing here is I see you, but I don't want to see you. I, I see, and I'm hearing that there's some trafficking going on and maybe some not good conditions, but I really rather have those, those shoes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's right. And that's the impact. And as a business owner too. Yeah. As a business owner also, I mean, there's, there's a, a social responsibility to find out, you know, where is your product coming from and and who is involved in the creation of it? And, you know, are people being forced for, uh, like you said, pennies to be creating these things, you know, and Mm -hmm. and as a business, you can take a stand and say, I'm not going to, to stand for that. Yeah, absolutely. And see, we're having right. This it's blown up with influencers and it's blown up with being an affiliate marketer, right? So that means I can sell products on Amazon. They're not my products. I'm getting them from another place and like just reselling them. But sometimes they never have to touch my house. I never have to touch them, right? They go. And we're picking them up in other countries that are known for all of this labor trafficking and um, human rights violations. And yet, we're okay with it, right? We're okay with, oh, as long as there's money in my bank account. But if I were to tell you about sex trafficking, you'd be all for it, but I'm still going to sell my product, right? Until I think they're really slapped in the face with it. Mm -hmm. And I say all this because this is almost like that small business owner. And to me, small business owners, we do things differently than corporate America, than, than the, the, right? We, Corporate America has a label of being greedy. Um, and so they don't value people as much as they do as their pocketbook is 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 the notion out there. So as a small business owner, how am I not going to pay attention that I'm getting these products from um, forced labor as well as there, there have been stories as well, of course, as these individuals are um, forced labor, but then they'll bring in some sex trafficking victims and kind of pacify them that way as well. Um, and that's actually happening here in the United States. There have been uh, right cases like that as well. When immigrants come over, they're like, they don't pay them, but then some sex trafficking victims, they'll supply them that way. Same thing's happening in other countries as well. So, so I say all that because it impacts us 
more than we know. We're connected to it more than we want to admit. And that's just on the business side, right? We could go on and on where kids go to school with other kids who are being trafficked. What kind of impact would that be on your, you know, on your kid, right? Um, It's just a long list. We got to, we got to really write this list out, I think. And then we'll come back and we'll just knock it out one, one, one by one. Cause you and I know them. And like we said, we could go on forever. (laughs) We just need to do that next time, Felicia, (laughs) next time. Okay, so we are going to push pause on chit-chatting with Felicia. I need you to come back for part two. She is going to share some things um, that they actually do in the task force, um, as well as she has some insights on what is it that you can do to stop human trafficking. So you're going to want to listen to to what this gal is doing down in Tarrant County in Fort Worth, Texas, because anybody can. So, um, So we'll see you for part two. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.